Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, Oscar watchers, uh, nominations were just announced, and are you as outraged as we are? Where's J-Lo? Where's Eddie Murphy? Uh, most importantly, who's going to win? Uh, I'm Daniel Montgomery, here with my fellow Gold Derby editors, Tom O'Neill, Paul Sheehan, Marcus James Dixon, and Joyce Eng. Tom, start us off. What's your take on this? Well, it, we have another unfortunate situation of Oscar so white. We have one person of color in the nominations. That let's start there, uh, and then and then talk about people not being um, who we thought. You know, J Lo, Eddie Murphy, people of color, uh, and I think had those had those contenders uh, excelled at the Golden Globes and won, and then been nominated, we'd have a very different Oscar race. But that's that's one thing. Just hours after the Critics' Choice Awards, where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won, and, and a lot of us Oscarologists were leaving the premises of that awards event last night in Santa Monica going, oh, well, that means it's going to win Best Picture. It wasn't nominated for editing this morning. It's all of a sudden those of us Oscar nerds go, oh, wait a minute, this is a different race. So, so it's very confusing, but on balance, um, it was a fairly predictable list of nominees. Paul, what do you think? Paul Sheehan. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, the Oscars are echoing BAFTA with their nominations leader being Joker. And uh, and the one difference, of course, as you mentioned, is Cynthia Revo, a British actress getting nominated over here for playing an American icon, but, uh, Harriet Tubman, but not by BAFTA. Um, I do think that uh, I think we have to sort of maybe throw out some of those rules like the editing nomination mattering or the acting nomination when it comes to figuring out best picture just because of that preferential ballot. Yes, um, because and I'm glad you mentioned the the acting nominees because missing were the parasite actors. And I don't think we should. Or, Daniel, let me ask you, do you think that's a disqualifying thing with predictions? Now, the parasite actors aren't, aren't nominated, therefore it's not going to win. I don't think there's any one disqualifying thing, but I do think you still want those four uh, fields. You want acting, writing, directing, and editing. Uh, like, just better safe than sorry to have them, and only two films have them, uh, all of them, and that's uh, Joker and The Irishman. Uh, everything else missed somewhere. Parasite is missing in acting. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is missing in editing. Uh, so is 1917, although that's, I think, the important comparison where I think the best editing snub might not matter that much because uh, Birdman a few years ago was also made to look like there was no editing in it and it was snubbed for editing uh, and Birdman still won best picture. And I think 1917 could still do that. And I think 
uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could still do that, even though it's, it's, its editing sub is a little bit more conspicuous. I don't think it's a deal breaker. Who, who's, who's next here? Uh, let's bring in Joyce Eng. Joyce, what's your take? Uh, I think the biggest thing with 1917 is that it got the screenplay nomination because I don't think most people were predicting that. And, you know, it's a war movie. Um, but, you know, there's much more of a dialogue, I guess you could say, because there are scripts, you know, scripts are not just dialogue. But, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons to Dunkirk, which had less dialogue. But it got into original screenplay. So that's a big get for him, especially with once missing editing. But I still think, like, for now, I'm still going to have once um, in my top spot because I think it's it's still – it didn't max out on its nominations since it's missed editing, but it's it still did very well. And we have four films this year with 10-plus nominations. Is that right? I haven't even looked at, like, the total, which is kind yeah, of insane. Yeah, four films <laughs> with 10-plus, Joker with 11, 1917, Irishman, and Once Upon a Time are all tied at 10. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like there. Are, I think all of them have a lot of pluses because they 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 got most of their expected nominations and they're missing some. You know, Parasite. I think it it can still win on a preferential um, without the acting nominations. Uh, you know, multiple films have won without acting nominations, uh, but it's much much harder to do it without acting and writing, which is what if 1917 hadn't got that screenplay nomination. Um, the last film to do that was Grand Hotel. So, um, and then like, you know, speaking of the, the lack of POC nominees, like where are all the Asian performers we have? I mean, I, I was like hope dicting Aquafina. Um, she missed SAG and I didn't, I didn't think she would get in, but I wanted to get in because they, the Oscars overlook Asian performers time and time again. And we had so many options this year, especially with Parasite being such a big player and they were, Neon was pushing Song Kang Ho a lot. So it's really disappointing that we still just got one POC nominee in Cynthia Revo. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of di- like, it's, it's a little dispiriting given, you know, cause a lot of times when it's Oscars so white, uh, like a lot of the argument is like, you can't nominate performances that aren't there and films that aren't there. But this year, not only were there lots of worthy performances, but they were performances that have been doing pretty well or like, you know, they've gotten into places. Aquafina is a Golden Globe nominee. Song Kang Ho won Critics Awards. Jennifer Lopez swept the nominations before this except for BAFTA. Like, there's so many performers who they could choose from that to just sort of go out of their way almost to snub like people of color in, in acting categories and to think that Joker is the superhero movie that is their artistic masterwork when the far more critically beloved Black Panther got the Best Picture nomination, but it was sort of a token nomination because they snubbed it for writing, no Ryan Coogler for writing or directing uh, and, and for acting. So, you know, the fact that Joker is the superhero movie, the comic book movie that they go for, um, is interesting. <laughs> the lack of gender balance here, too. Uh, okay, we didn't we were all a little skeptical of whether or not Greta Gerwig could get in for uh, directing, but we were all kind of hopeful she would. Well, look, uh, uh, Little Women overperformed. It, it popped all over the place in the nominations this morning, but it didn't get in uh, for directing. So that made uh, Greta more conspicuous. Marcus, pipe in here. What are yeah. your thoughts? 
So yeah, Little Women gets six nominations, and I think she really is going to win uh, screenplay. I think that's kind of a, a oh yeah, totally. Her. And I think I think Greta's going to get her Oscar this year. Um, what's really interesting is this. You know, we see it every year, so it's not a surprise. But the list of Best Picture nominees is all you know led by male-dominated films like The Irishman and 1917. But we do have two with a, a female lead. Um, we have Marriage Story with Scarlett Johansson. We have Little Women with Saoirse. And it's been 15 years since Best Picture and Best Actress matched up. I, I just wrote this item on it's. It's a curse. It's a it's a curse that's that's that needs to be broken. But I don't think it's going to be broken this year because I don't, I really don't think uh, either of those two movies is going to win Best Picture. What do you think will win, Marcus? What's your current? <sighs> well, 1917 has a really good shot. It it did get the screenplay nomination, which I put it in last night. I took out Pain and Glory. I put in 1917. So I went 10 for 10 on screenplays. I was so happy. Um, Parasite, actually, it, I, I really think Parasite should have done better. I think it should have gotten an acting nomination. And, you know, it, it had a song eligible. And, and if, if Parasite was beloved as we think it is, it probably should have got a name check for a song nomination, don't you think? Yeah. It's so underperformed all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I don't think most people knew there was a song in the movie until they saw the shortlist. <laughs> so I don't hold that against them, and that just played over the credits. I was I was really surprised, given how the academy is expanded. I mean, it's the the, the voting pool is fifty percent bigger now than it was just five years ago, and so many of those new members are international, coming from outside the United States or from the traditional United Kingdom or even France. And so I was so surprised I had Almodovar being nominated by the more international directors branch. I had him being nominated again by the more international writers branch. So it was really, I, I it caused me then to rethink. I mean, I was thinking Parasite would win Best Picture, but now given these nominations, given that they didn't sort of, the collective didn't pick out people of color where they could or international films where they could, I am now second guessing myself, and I think I'll—I really don't want to come down with any best picture prediction until we see what happens at PGA, which uses that same method of voting that the Oscars does to determine their best picture winner. But we're in the prediction I, business, Paul. That no, no artful dodging here. Let's talk about this preferential ballot because this is a new challenge. If Parasite is either the movie you uh, really, really love. <clears throat> and it's like oh, your private little uh, rooting nominee, then, um, and since it underperformed in so many branches, it, it now is, I have Parasite number one right now to win, or I did it during the nomination phase. Wait, wait, Paul, will you keep it at number one if it loses at PGA? I don't know, but I'm, think, I'm tempted now to switch to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I think that's your number two vote now. I'm thinking... <clears throat> We ask ourselves this all the time. What's your number two vote if you're a, a voter or your number three? And it was. And when we started actually checking in with Oscar voters last year, when Chris Beecham did this for us, it was Green Book on every ballot. I think Once Upon a Time is, a, is the movie on every ballot now. And Parasite is either your number one or your number five or maybe four. I don't know. What do you think, Paul, in terms of the just try, I will back you up for a prediction here. But also but I am challenging you to say. What do you think they feel they have to put at number two or three if their prediction is something else? 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that uh, it, it, it is once upon a time now that's sort of the the most widespread, the film that people are going to, even if they don't love, are going to like a lot. I think there's a lot of people that love Joker, but there's enough people probably that don't like it, won't watch it. Not that we, we know, Tom, it doesn't matter. I've, I've yet to meet an Oscar voter that watched 12 Years a Slave. So... <laughs> So when it's sort of the, taking your medicine, you know, then they'll, it'll, when it's time, but I don't think there's anyone saying it's time for a comic book movie to win best picture. Right. You know, but I think the underestimated Joker all year. I don't think yeah. it can win. I'm saying that we should have But this notion, maybe it's time for Quentin Tarantino to win. I mean, this is his fourth of, of nine films to be nominated. Exactly. And uh, if they get that message out there, that could be enough to push him over. Last night at the Critics' Choice Awards, I, Quentin was all over the room doing the selfies <clears throat> with everybody around. He was gregarious and, and um, social, and so he's working it. And uh, there is this overdue factor in his case, like why has no Quentin movie ever won? And I think it, it, the movie has just got all the bells and whistles that the voter is looking for. It's got the celebrity and all-star cast, but Irishman does too. But it also has the word Hollywood in there. But is that maybe going to work against it? Because the only film to, about Hollywood that won was The Artist. I mean, all these right. show businesses. Or Argo, are, if you want to say Argo. Argo I mean, it was okay. about making a movie. Argo, yeah. Once Upon a Time is not the directorial achievement. I believe that's uh, Sam Mendes for 1917. So do you think we will see another split for Best Picture and Best Director? Because I yes. think you know, Sam Mendes yeah. is going to take the director uh, prize. Yeah, Sam Mendes is going to um, set the record for longest gap between directing wins because it's going to be exactly You really years. think Mendes is going to win here, not... Uh, uh, I think all- it's turned more... Like, directing has turned way more into, like, a technical award than uh, an artistic award. And since the preferential ballot the last 10 years, there's been more of a link between... Uh, picture and screenplay, so that's why the nomination for 1917 was so important for screenplay. Um, so, like, it, like I don't know if like 1917 could win picture. Like, I think it's definitely top three, but Parasite and uh, Once. Like, I think mm-hmm. Irishman's probably fourth. Like, I could totally see it going over ten. Your prediction is Mendes for director. You're saying. Yeah, I I will have I think he's going to win DGA, so I have him for director and once for picture. I want to interject and just remind people it's a nineteen seventeen is a huge hit. It overperformed yeah. this weekend, you know, thirty five plus million dethroned Star Wars. I mean, that's something that you know. That, don't forget this, and this is an abbreviated Oscar season. Everything starts in seventeen days. So that notion of this sort of if, if if 1917 propels these nominations to win the box office again next week, I think that could really help its case. And the Oscars love their war movies, and it's been a, it's been a while since a war movie won uh, the Hurt Locker. I think uh, one of the interesting things I'm looking at at this race is one of the when we've seen surprises <clears throat> at the Oscars, I think there's been a sense of front runner backlash that has hurt some films uh, where you get like, uh, you know, The Revenant looked like it was starting to pull out front and the plucky underdog uh, uh, spotlight wins. La La Land dominated the season and then the underdog Moonlight wins. Uh, even last year, like Roma, a, a black and white foreign film seems like an underdog, but it seemed like such a top dog at a lot of awards. Um, and, you know, maybe the Netflix factor also heard it with some members of the Academy. Uh, and so a Green Book won. And so I think 
now if like once upon a time in hollywood is starting to move out front that could be the sort of case where you know people will look at that voters will look at that when they're marking their ballots and everyone is telling them it's the best critics choice say it's the best golden globes say it's the best well i don't think it's so hot so i'm going to rank it sixth seventh or eighth or something like that and that sort of thing could happen i think on a preferential ballot which i think i think that most helps parasite because parasite now looks like a strong contender uh but it doesn't look like the top dog it looks like that kind of plucky underdog who i doubt anyone will rank well i mean i'm sure someone but I think a lot of people will rank it second or third or fourth, uh, where I could see uh, every other film in this category ranked lower than that. So I do think that helps that film. I think what helps once is that it still hasn't been seen as an outright frontrunner like any of those movies you mentioned, like A La La Land or even A Revenant, which is, was more like a 1917 in that it was a late Christmas break movie um but that was way more divisive than 1917 is so and you know once like still didn't lead the nominations today it's still joker like joker's gonna get all the headlines and that's way more divisive than once so it's it's been really a stealth front runner this season having been out since july like so i feel like it already withstood like all the backlash when it opened with you know like all the bruce lee stuff and everything um and the ending so it's kind of survived all that already. So now it's like in its second phase. Whereas, you know, even Green Book last year, it, like it never really escaped its backlash. It was always like backlash all the time because it was like right after the Globes that, you know, everyone covered that tweet from Nick Vallelonga. But I like, you know, and once didn't lead um, Globe nominations, that was Marriage Story. So you kind of thought like, oh, is that the favorite? Um, and I won three Globes. Uh, but everyone was still talking about another movie, 1917, which only won two, but no one was expecting it to win those two big prizes. And everyone regards drama as more important than comedy, you know? So I think it's still in a good position. Like, yeah, I won Critics' Choice, but that's still, like, low tier. Um, I think it only seemed like an outright... You know what I mean. And it's not, it's not industry. But I think it only seemed like... Uh, like a, a front runner to most people is like if it wins PGA and then like SAG the next day, next week. Um, but still, again, the season's so short, so I don't know if there's anything that can develop. Well, what, what's your prediction for D, or, uh, DJ and PGA as of right now? We'll let you change your mind later, but what's your current? <laughs> uh, uh, ones for PGA and uh, Mendez for DGA. Wow, okay. <clears throat> Is anyone bold enough or brave enough to pick an acting winner that is not someone that just went the Critics' Choice or the Golden Globes? So is anyone not picking Joaquin Phoenix, um, Laura Dern, Brad Pitt, or Renee Zellweger? No. Uh, I think it's a done deal three out of four. I think Renee Zellweger is about 60% there. I do think the fact that Scarlett did, in fact, get those dual nominations uh, and there have people who have lost both when they've been nominated twice, Sigourney Weaver and Julianne Moore uh, when they were nominated twice. Um, but, like, it gives her such a story that Renee Zellweger doesn't quite have. So I think I think we're probably going to see all four rubber stamped, but I can see uh, Scarlet overtake. Although the thing with Judy, we were all thinking it was going to be the next The Wife, but it did get a nomination for That's Makeup That's only because it... 
expanded the makeup category to five. <laughs> it still counts. Here. It still counts. So, but yeah, no, I, I have all four like sweeping, just like, you know, the same thing two years ago when the same four people swept all five televised precursors um, or the four precursors and Oscars. But yeah, I agree that Judy or Renee is the weakest of the four, but I think she's just going to, there's just not, not enough time, I don't think. And uh, unlike, Last year, I don't think there's like a clear like passion pick alternative. Um, I like in in best actress, like I guess like like I I have Scarlett in second, and I guess it could be Scarlett, but I don't know. Like those those two nominations could also hurt her because in a lot of cases of past double nominees, it's been clear that like they were going to win for like one performance, you know, like Jamie Fox in Ray or like Al Pacino in Son of a Woman or Holly Hunter in The Piano, you know. Um, and I, I think she's going to be like, you know, like Daniel said, like, well, Sigourney was also favorite to win for Working Girl, but she lost both. Um, yeah, I think she's going to be more of like a Kate Blanchett where she's just nominated and doesn't win, but Kate was already a winner at that point. Um, I would love like a poor surprise because it's so boring when they all are the same. I only want to surprise if I'm picking that surprise. Because I, I want to get them all fresh. <laughs> yeah. I do think the, the makeup nomination is interesting because I think that makes, uh, even more than before, uh, Renee Zellweger look very much to me like the Marianne Cotillard of this year, where that film... And the Meryl Streep. And the Meryl Streep. And it, it's actually the same issue with, in all three cases where the film has somewhat got mixed reviews, like generally positive, but it's really people love the performance and are only so-so about the film. And it still wins acting and makeup, although I don't think uh, uh, Judy's going to win makeup. Uh, but I remember the year of Marion Cotillard, she was up against uh, uh, Ellen Page and Juno, who was the, the up-and-coming new star in a Best Picture nominee. Um, and so, you know, I could see that being sort of an analog to Scarlett Johansson and Marriage Story, which is a Best Picture nominee. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, unless I see Scarlett take an industry award, it's, I, I'm, I'm staying on the Renee Zellweger rubber stamping bandwagon because that's just what they've been doing. And I think that's probably how the other acting races go. Well, on behalf of all Judy Queens everywhere, let me pipe in here. Um, where's the, I better get that camera. <clears throat> I really take umbrage with, uh, with what Daniel said about, uh, and this is the, the common view, of course, is that, oh, oh, uh, the movie Judy, nobody likes it, but, uh, uh it, I personally think the film is underrated. I think it's a better it film is. than people give it credit for. Yes, uh, that's that's where I was going with this. It's ridiculous to say it's uh, it's not. But uh, that said, I do want to uh, note that the movie Judy, for the record, all of you trashers out there, has an eighty-seven or eighty-five percent score at among critics at uh, Rotten Tomatoes and an eighty-six score among moviegoers. So you know what? It is a good movie. So there, and she's gonna win. Because not only is it a magnificent performance, uh, and she does her own singing, it, and she is a famous person embodying another famous person, she gives the biggest performance. And that's where uh, uh, we, we see an analogy with, with Joaquin Phoenix here, is that thing is so giant and in-your-face and theatrical, it's undeniable, both of these performances. And so... And um, unlike... Uh, well, uh, Marion Cotillard and Rami Malek, she does her own singing. Yes, and uh, and really, 
nails it in a couple of places with that very unique uh, timber and quiver that Judy had in her voice. She even got that right in some cases. Um, no, so that said, let's quick clear the record there. Just as Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book were really good movies last year that, that somehow journalists felt they had to hurry up and trash on the side, Soro Voce, uh, that bullshit's going on now with Judy. It's not true, and it wasn't true last year either, just, just to clear the record. Judy Garland never won an Oscar, and that's the last thing here, is that uh, Renee will win it for her. So Tom, Judy I, still I doesn't get it. <laughs> I think you said you're you're predicting Parasite, right? But what do you want to win? If you were a voter, what would you vote for? Uh, great question, Marcus, because I think uh, uh, I think Parasite would get my vote. Hmm. What, what would you vote for? My favorites are 1917 and Joker, but if Parasite wins, I'm going to be so happy. I really will. Yeah. yeah, we should do just like, you know, like a, a, an informal poll because whatever ranks like one, two and three for us, maybe that's our preferential ballot. So for me, it would be <laughs> Parasite and then 1917 in second place. But how many like it's not going to win on the first round. So it's like second and third are the most important. So We still haven't talked about J-Lo. What's your prediction for a winner for Best Picture? Daniel? Oh, um, I I had Parasite going into the nominations. Right now, I'm sort of, even though I made the case for Parasite, I'm actually right now on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's right now in the best position, uh, depending on how the rest of the season goes. I could see that pulling a Birdman, where it just sort of, like the industry just lines up behind mm -hmm. it. I could see it winning PGA, DGA, and SAG. I, I really could. It's not a lock in all three, certainly. And I think DGA is probably its weakest, but I, I still think it could win all of them. Yeah, when when Quentin won screenplay at the Globes, I realized I wasn't taking the film seriously enough, and and then I, I won Critics' Choice Best Picture, and I'm like, okay, I, I I tried to make the case earlier for 1917, but I think once the Prediction Center opens, I think it's open now. I'm going to actually predict Once Upon a Time to win. And we actually already have about a thousand people making their predictions. Yes. Oscar nominations right. came out just two three hours ago, and we've already got a thousand people predicting. Wait. <laughs> We love you. Um, we haven't talked about J-Lo yet. Yeah, go ahead. You lead the way. <laughs> this is what I feared. I think I mentioned this um, a couple of weeks ago, like when we were talking about Globes, but I thought like they would be too snobby <laughs> to nominate her. And then she got snubbed. That's a uh, BAFTA. But I thought like she could still make it because the alternatives to her, if you will, were so weak. Like they were going to be like sole nominees as well, like as Kathy Bates's, you know, like, or it could have been like Annette Benning, um, and Zhao Zhuzhen, like, you know, she, what she hadn't gotten anywhere. And that was like dependent on the farewell getting, you know, Aquafina in or original screenplay. They didn't get that. So, um, yeah, I, I feel bad for her because. <laughs> like she's worked so hard and she deserved it and it's just kind of it's it's another you know like like the academy has tried so hard in like the last five years to you know be more inclusive and diversify its membership and um but it's it's and like it's sometimes like some of the things they do feel like kind of performative it's like oh you have john show and Issa ray read the nominees <laughs> and then you know you have 
Yeah, and then you have 19, you know, not that they have any control over the nominees, but you have 19, you know, white people nominated for acting. Um, Oh, yeah. I loved, by the way, I loved uh, 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 Issa Rae. Rae. When they nominated Best Director, they're like, congratulations to all of those men. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I wanted this for J-Lo. Like, she wasn't going to win. Her best chance was the Globe, and she lost that. So I just wanted her to be an Academy Award nominee. And now she's not. Yeah. Poor JLo <laughs> last night. I have to tattle on her. We, I was just one table away from her at the Critics' Choice Awards. And you know how real thin she is and fit and, and you know, uh, perfectly sculpted body. She's so health conscious. She was so nervous last night. She was eating Dorito chips uh, all over the It was hysterical. And I told Ann, who was sitting next to me, take a picture because she was taking big for her Twitter account, I said, a picture of J-Lo eating carbohydrates. That's something. <laughs> but uh, back to Annette Benning and to Kathy Bates for a second. Um, the fact that they were, that one got in and the other one didn't uh, is interesting because this is the behind the scenes factor we have to take into account. Kathy Bates is a former um, uh, officer. They're not just on the board of directors. That Kathy Bates was vice chairman on and off, I think a couple of times of the board, and that Benning has headed the actors branch and, and represented them on the board. These are leaders within the academy of these voters, and Annette uh, did not break through, but Kathy Bates did. And if you're wondering about, well, Richard Jewell didn't get the greatest reviews or this or that, um, this is an example, Kathy Bates's nomination of this, of this, uh, leadership and respect and reverence they have for each other as 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 uh, you know icons of their industry that pop through and i and, and and if you're familiar with all of that and you see the nomination this morning for kathy bates you go that's interesting <laughs> i had kathy bates in my predictions because remember i mean she got snubbed at sag but she was in the rank wrong category she was put in lead by accident. So if she had been in supporting, maybe she would have got in there and she got the Globe nomination. So I, I took her out because Chris Beecham, he's not here, but he told me to take her out because she wasn't getting any love anywhere. So shame <laughs> on Chris. You have to put yeah. him on blast right now and he's not uh, here. Yeah, he can't defend himself. I will add about uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez, about, about hustlers in general, really. Like it's sort of feels it's really disappointing that that film wasn't taken seriously yeah uh, when you know and it's and it's not just that it's a movie about strippers i mean joker is a movie about a, a comic book supervillain, and they nominated it 11 times and you know hustlers got better reviews overall it was this oh the hustlers didn't get better reviews than joker that's insane of course they did <laughs> no it was it was far better liked than Joker was. I mean, the oh, that's that's Joker. less divisive than Joker <laughs> ever will. Yeah, you have to go to drug rehab, Daniel, right away. And and Hustlers was this plucky underdog uh, box office blockbuster. It was, you know, and and they didn't nominate it for anything. Not acting. Not writing. Not it's about women. Because when you're predicting the Oscar nominations and you're trying to figure out who's going to underperform and who's going to overperform, it tends to, it pays to predict the movies that are about men to overperform. And indeed, we got, you know, a Best Picture lineup where only one of the nominees doesn't have a male lead. Uh, So you have Scarlett Johansson and Marriage Story. But honestly, I think that film skews towards Adam Driver's character in it. Um, so really, really yeah, it's only a little 
And it's really only Little Women that uh, represents women, which I I'm actually thrilled about. I didn't think it was even going to do as well as it did. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel like Hustlers was a victim. Like if, 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 if that, well, I was going to say if it were about male strippers, it would have gotten in. But Magic Mike didn't. <laughs> Here's the shocker of the day. I just clicked on Metacritic. Uh, Joker has a score of 59 on Metacritic. Wow. It's, it's a license movie. Love it or hate it. No, so so to your to the point of the preferential ballot, where you rank them, you're right. either gonna rank it high or you it doesn't even it's at the bottom of your list. So that that's a a, a troubling uh, omen for Joker, perhaps. But um it's yeah. funny the Joker got in, in everywhere it was eligible except for production design. So imagine being the production designer and seeing all of your, <laughs> your colleagues nominated. I think that happened on Game of Thrones a couple of years where there was like one category at the Emmys where that got snubbed Ooh. and everyone else, you know, got nominated or even won. Well, you know, their cast and designer should have been alongside them on the sidelines. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no but like that did not need a costume design nomination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that, that got costumes, Dolomites, Rocket Man. I wasn't a yeah. huge fan Rocket of Rocket Man, Man but those costumes were incredible. Um, no, no, I mean, yeah. I'm going to warn everyone here. This is these. Now, this might be the Joyce didn't predict Joker to get nominated for costume design, or you know, oh, I, did, oh, but oh. I, I predict the Joker in a lot of other categories, so I don't really <laughs> care. But um, it's just like. That there's nothing really great or exciting about those costumes, especially when you compare it to the films that got snubbed in that category. So, so continuing that point, so why do you think it got nominated by the costume? Because they like the movie. Like sometimes right. I think you just like it's like you it's it's it was such a successful movie, such a big movie, such a male centric movie, and you know sometimes you just check it down the ballot. But, 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 but no, no, but this is the costume designer's branch is nominating the costume designer's choice. And that's a yeah, branch. Like, they like the movie. All... They like the movie. OK, but that's a, yeah. a female centric branch. I mean, they've had they've had years where all the nominees have been women. So, oh, I know, but like it's still like they it's just I think you just like the movie and it's, it's a successful movie. So it's the most seen movie. Gotcha. It made a billion dollars. So that counters my 59 on Metacritic in that maybe the members of the Academy, if you polled them, would give it a higher score than 59. I do well, think I do, like yeah. people in the industry like it a lot more than, like, I guess, the general public or like critics. And yeah, it's definitely sure. more appealing to European sensibilities. And the thing about Oscar voting is that, and any awards voting really, is that, uh, you know, the people who are getting it nominated are, like, if 50% of the people think a movie is a masterpiece and 50% of people think it's the worst movie of the year, it's not like those 50% who hate it can give it, like, negative votes. So, like, the whole results are going to be determined, like, by 50% of people who saw it, which is going to be a sizable chunk of your voting block, um, it's it's going to get in on the basis of those people who thought it was a masterpiece. Uh, uh, so I, it's on the preferential ballot where I think that the movie is the most hurt because yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to get a lot of number ones and it's going to get a lot of number nines. <laughs> and we talked about J Lo, but the other two biggest snubs, according to our forum posters, you know where all the outrage is in our in our movie forums. Aquafina and Lupita Nyong'o. People are very upset about those. So we just have to mention those as well.
Yes. Yeah, Lupita was just like the, the critics push this year that didn't go anywhere. Um, very sad because um, like she she deserves a follow up nomination and she was so great in that movie. Um, I do it's think it's not a great look that it was three women of color like fighting for that fifth spot. Yeah. And the woman who was nominated was the one who played a slave. I know, right? Ouch. <laughs> I mean, she was good, but it's, you know, she still played a slave. Yeah. So uh, let, let's stay, uh, let's stay on the uh, uh, issue of, of uh, uh, gender, Joyce. Uh, and let's get your point of view. We, we actually had a movie from a female point of view win Best Picture recently with The Shape of Water. Uh, it's been a long time since that happened. Previously, unless you count like Million Dollar Baby as, is that really from, <laughs> from her point of view or from Clinice's point of view? But, um, what do you think of the whole gender thing for Best Picture now, Joyce? Um, the fact that you had mentioned earlier that, that Marriage Story and, you know, had, had like the co-leads, but Daniel brings up a really good point that, and, and I think you piped in as he was observing this, that, that Adam Driver has more screen time. Dig a little deeper into that. This is these nominations are revealing bigger problems for the Academy than they may acknowledge. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I think this is just kind of on par with what they've always done. Um, I think they've tried to be more expansive in their membership, and I think there it is. But I think it, this year is also interesting because there are so many uh, like prestige movies from these revered directors like Scorsese, Tarantino, you know, um, and, uh, you know, Bong Joon-ho, like Parasite is an ensemble film. So it's, you know, um, it's pretty even uh, between the genders there in the cast. Uh, but like they, they, they make, you know, Tarantino's uh, made more films with female leads than Scorsese. Uh, but mm-hmm. they, they primarily make male dominated films and, you know, the industry primarily makes male dominated films and even, you know, million dollar baby, that was a very masculine movie. Like right. she is a woman, but boxing is seen as a masculine sport. And even with, um, Catherine Bigelow winning for the Hurt Locker, that's a war movie, which is historically, you know, a masculine type of movie. So it, it seems like for, you know, women to succeed at the Oscars, it, you need to like fit into these like kind of like predetermined like, pigeonhole things that like they kind of like or like appeals to male sensibilities, maybe like older white male sensibilities. So I think this year it's, it's just kind of like a, a mixture of, you know, these like renowned directors all, you know, dropping big movies uh in the same year and then it's like you just, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because like we were like oh my god it's new tarantino it's a, like scorsese finally made the irishman and it's like you want to predict them and then so that that draw like thumbs up buzz and you know the reaction when it was announced that greta gerwig's follow-up to ladybird was little woman everyone was just like why the hell is she making little woman it's not the same reaction you know like sure it's an adaptation but you find out that she loves this book. It means so much to her and she did something fresh and interesting with it. But that's still like the initial reaction is just like, why the hell is she doing this? And so and that's got to change in general. And she couldn't get male critics to go see it. Male critics yeah. were, were mm-hmm. not going to see the film that they should have been reviewing. I, Tom, you were talking about the Academy having a problem. I mean, I think we have to give credit to the Academy this year. 
they, in, they invited exactly the same number of men as women, and it numbered in, well into the hundred. And they had the initiative to in, double their number of women, double their number of people of color. They've, they've reached that. I think what they would argue is that you need to maybe change the front offices of studios so that you're making yes, absolutely. great movies. And so like a, a film like Captain Marvel didn't get anywhere near the attention, say, that Joker did, even though it made lots of money, but had a female lead, you know. So um, it's it's an ongoing issue, but I think that you have to give the Academy a little bit of credit for at least addressing it and trying to solve it in, in slowly. Yeah, just, like they can't control yeah. how people vote. So I think it's just there's like an implicit bias, I think, still within people. And it's not like they kicked anyone out of the Academy to have these people in. Like those people are still there. And two other films that got snubbed was, you know, Bombshell with three female Whoa. leads and Frozen with two female leads. Yes, let's talk about that. That was surprising for for the biggest uh, animated hit of the year with and a very good movie. Um, snub of all time. Based on gender. It's uh, the biggest animated film of all time, and it didn't get in. That was a big surprise. And, you know, you could say that they don't like sequels, but look, How to Train Your Dragon and Toy Story 4 are both sequels. So the one about the women is the one that gets snubbed. I should have seen that, because I, I had Frozen 2 and How to Train Your Dragon 3 ranked 4th and 5th in my Best Picture nomination predictions, because I'm like... They historically don't like sequels. They can't avoid all of them. So I thought maybe one or two would get in. But I thought How to Train Your Dragon or Frozen is going to be a surprise snub. And I didn't know which one it would be. And I should have known it would have been the one about the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, at least uh, Kristen Bell got her See Her Award last night at the Critics' Choice Award. <laughs> Critics' well. Choice were the only ones who saw her, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Murphy got a career achievement last night. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's wrap it up here, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, uh, piping in. It's time now to go to Gold Derby, make your predictions, prove, if you can, that you're smarter than us, because I have a hunch a couple of you are. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.